Welcome to the Revolve Recap Weekly Podcast, where we help the members of Revolve Church deepen their connection to God, His family, and His mission. My name is David McCumber. I'm Bill Lackey. And we have a very, very special guest with us today. Steve Tecco. And what do you mean, David, by special? Please define. I actually said very special. Extremely. Mm. <laughs> so. So that maybe we'll make that evaluation at the end of the episode <laughs> right. of how special we'll it let is. our viewers and watchers, you could be watching this on YouTube. That's true. That's true. All right. So Hit um, like if you think Steve is special. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, what's what's going on in the episode today, Billy? Give us a give us an overview. Well, Steve preached this past Sunday, so we're going to unpack a little bit deeper into Psalm 87 and about God's call for missions and how that's been formative in Steve's life and maybe touch on some other issues related to the Psalms. Um, and, you know, the people should watch it because you get like a behind the scenes view. Like Gina told me last week on our podcast where we did some conversations about the hurdles or the troubles facing Revolve. She said she felt like it was really, how do you put it, not unintentional vision casting, but because it gave people an opportunity to see behind the curtain, it also was exciting to listen to because it made you, it made made people realize we're not just a bunch of duds. No, we know what we're doing somewhat. Yeah. Well, that's why we got Steve here. You know? (laughs) We brought a a pro in. That's right. Special guest. All right, Billy, what is the question of the day? We're going to do a special... Special question of the day. Special question of the day. I picked a special question of the day just for you guys. Okay. And for the 4th of July, America. Um, So the question is this. This is a question that I asked um, my family yesterday when we were walking down to the beach. And it's... I'm going to try to phrase it specifically, because I, I want it to be honoring to God in our answers. Not that they'd be dishonoring to God in our answers, but what are you most thankful for as it relates to living in the United States of America? Well, I, I mean, I really feel like... Don't just say like tacos or... No, no. I think, I think the obvious one is, is freedom. Freedom of religion. countries have freedom. So like what makes United States... Unique to you. What are you most thankful for? Man. You can say freedom. That's fine. I know you love freedom. Love eagles. I love shooting fireworks off off the roof. That sounds dangerous. Well, only for my neighbors. I was shooting it towards their house. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Wow, that's a great question, Bill. Man. What do I love about America? I I don't know. I I just I I come back to this and we've we've talked about this in the past, but when we go overseas and you come back and you're back in America. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we you're did just talk like, man, if I broke my leg right now, they could take me to a hospital and I would, I would be okay. Yeah. But if that, that was happens, the answer you gave last time. Okay. Hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Gina's answer was. Okay. So it'll give you some time to think and process, you know what I mean? So you can come up with a different answer. That was a good answer. Did you so, ask this question to your I think kids? we, yeah. What? That's a bad question to ask the kids. I'm not saying they had good answers. <laughs> um, so Gina said the ability to dream because she said when we lived overseas, mm. like you don't have those same opportunities. So for example, in Spain, you take a placement test when you're in like middle school or high school and how you rank on that placement test determines the rest of your life. 
Like if you want to be a doctor, but you don't get high enough on the placement test when you're in like ninth grade, it's not a chance. You don't have a choice. So you can't just be like, I'm a late bloomer. I think I want to go into physics. It's like, well, I'm sorry, because you really ruined it in ninth grade. And so you're going to be a whatever, fill in mm. blank. And so the ability, whereas in America, it's like you can, if you work hard, there's, there is opportunity, even though people would like to act like there's not. That's because they've never lived in another country. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so my answer was the uh, Americans have it probably, with the exception of some countries in the European Union, I think Americans can travel easier than any other nation in the world. Like if we, if the three of us decide, we call our wives and we say, we're not coming home, we're, we're taking Steve on a road trip to India, you Whoa. know, or if we just decide. What road we, are we going to take? Yeah, what road do you take to India? The, the road the DeLorean <laughs> takes, you know, but the, we can basically go almost anywhere in the world without any issues with the exception of places like Iran or North Korea. Most places you don't even have to apply for a visa in advance, except for places like Saudi Arabia and things mm-hmm. like that. You can just show up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think we don't realize how that is a major privilege that yeah. we can do that. I mean, we can go anywhere in South America, Central America. Yeah. And speak English. And speak English. And expect uh, yeah. most people to to know how be to able communicate to with, with you. us. Yeah. Yes. So that, that was the two things that we said we're thankful for. I want to say, mm-hmm. now, now since you've been talking, I get, give me a chance to process. I think um, I'm thankful for the diversity, mm. you know, because I think about like when we lived for that short time in Greece, um, it's like everybody's Greek. Period. They've been Greek for 3,000 years. Since, since ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I just think it's how cool is it that you get to see other cultures and, 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 you know, just have different foods and different... If you see a minority in Greece, I remember when someone asked, like, how do you know they're refugees? And you're like, well, because they're a minority. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's how you know. everybody's Greek. Because <laughs> everybody's Greek. Yeah. Or you're a minority. You know, and which you're a I think, I mean, I think that would be cool to live in a place like Italy or something where it's like, man, my, my family's been here for 1,200 years. But, right. you know, most people, it's like our families have been here for 300 years and... Yeah. Yeah, so I've been here less than a hundred years. Yeah, I, I obviously uh, freedom, um, but I, I like the the thought of opportunity, and I think back to both of my grandparents. Uh, both of my grandparents immigrated from Italy, and they had skills, but uh, they could not uh, use their their skills initially. But eventually, um, they had the opportunity to, uh, for example, my one grandfather was an iron worker. And he was responsible in his neighborhood in Philadelphia for creating uh, many of the iron railings on these um, little porches outside their homes. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't do that initially. But um, eventually, he could. And I think that's a, a beautiful testimony of the opportunity. Bill, you mentioned that we can dream out of the same idea. And I like also, Dave, um, piggybacking on your thought, that the United States is, I think, the most intentionally pluralistic nation on on Earth. And uh, when we have hankering for uh, certain foods, Mm -hmm. that's one of the natural, the benefits, you know, within a short distance, we could probably find just about anything that we have, uh, you know, Mexican, Indian, mm-hmm. 
Chinese, etc. Of course, Italian. Of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Goes without saying. Well, that you know, Bill, that's a that was a really good question for the topic of the day, which we're talking a little bit about global missions. Yeah. Man, well, you, thank you. You did a good job there. All right. Well, we're going to move into our looking up section where we talk about the sermon and 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 give some Q and A's and some opportunity to go a little deeper. So, uh, Steve preached this week on Psalm eighty-seven. I actually was teaching the tweens class, so I had to um, listen to it um, later, but I did get to listen to it, and I really, I was not real familiar with Psalm 87, to be honest with you, and to, you know, to hear your, um, you know, explanation and breaking it down and, and really seeing the beauty of, of the nations and God's heart for the nations, um, I thought was really, was really cool. Um, even the, even the Philippines. Yeah, God yeah. loves even the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't heard it and you decide to listen, uh, you'll you'll hear what do we what do we call them? Not typos, uh, verbal lows. Sure. <laughs> what would that be? Gaffs. Gaffs. Yeah. Uh, I had one professor used to call them an intellectual nods. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yes. Where I reference the Philistines as the Philippines. Yes. So just ignore that. So don't be hating on the Filipinos. That's yeah. The moral of the story. Because yeah. they're welcome into the temple <laughs> yeah. as well. I saw the Philistines. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm sorry, Steve. You know, you can't come on the podcast and not get a little get a little razzed, a little jazzed. Yeah, know, that's I, I figured. I, I anticipated that. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, yeah. in this case, it's well deserved. <laughs> so, um, well, let's. Uh, so, what are we going to do, Bill? Are we going to go to on the ground? Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. So on the ground. So each week on the ground, we talk about what does it look like to apply the the sermon Wednesday morning. Um, and we want to look at that through these three dimensions of our relationship with God, our vertical relationship with God. So that could be like the way we think about God or something that I need to do personally. And then we want to look at what it means to apply it within the family of Christ, the church, locally. Um, that's kind of that horizontal application. And then the other horizontal application is what does it look like to live this out, out in the world? So Steve, when you think about those three dimensions... How do we take Psalm 87, which was very informative, and we say, you know what? What does this mean, Steve, for David's walk on Wednesday morning? What does Psalm 87 mean for David, the way he lives his life vertically with Jesus on uh, Wednesday morning? Well, I think for David and certainly for me and for most of us, the fact that, uh, Bill, you... uh, wrapped up the the message by doing a a survey of our missions family, um, constantly reminding us of who our missionary family are, uh, where they are. Of course, in some cases, we need to be um, discerning uh, in that regard. But just to be reminding people of uh, who they are, where they are, uh, what they're doing, what their vision for ministry is. And I believe, like in many cases, it begins with prayer. Yeah. Um, that, that is always a, a good place to begin. And, and it begins with information because uh, prayer really requires some information so that we could pray naturally, uh, intelligently. 
So as we are reminded of who they are and where they are and, and what they're currently doing and what their vision is, uh, certainly prayer is a big part of it. I, I think from time to time uh, doing recaps like that is a great idea hmm. because it, it helps to stimulate prayers and uh, to remind us through the week of um, who these folks are and that they, they truly are a part, an extended part of our church family. And yeah. so one, one uh, pastor I knew years ago used to say concerning the missionary family, the sun never sets on, and then he would list the name of his church, uh, because even though we may be sound asleep in our beds, um, through our missionary family, things are going on around the world, and God is answering even as we may be sleeping. I like that. Uh, some of our, our prayer uh, concerns and, and uh, prayers that we've lifted up in their behalf. Yeah. So if you hear Bill say that in a sermon, we know that you stole it from Steve's who stole it from another pastor. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, like, it's 5 o'clock somewhere at Revolved Church. <laughs> yeah. you know just, I mean? just don't say Philippines. That's, That's right. <laughs> well, I feel like that, that goes really nicely into looking, looking in, like, how do we apply this as a church? You know, I think that it, depending on who you are in the church, like, as Steve was talking, I was just thinking, oh, you know what? Like, David, Jen, and I should really think about how we can probably communicate these things better, maybe... We can make up some um, information and area on our website that gives the information we can give, you know, that kind of stuff. But then also, you know, there's things you could do like with your family or your DG. Maybe you decide you really feel burdened for Czech Republic and your DG wants to, you know, pray for the Czech Republic partners, but also maybe send a care package. That is a great point, though. I, I like that idea of, of having DGs maybe adopt a... Uh... Yeah, you know. and David, when when you were doing the um, the hub, um, I, I remember on one occasion you gave out bookmarks, mm -hmm. and the bookmarks would be uh, maybe something that we could do oh, yeah. quarterly, mm -hmm. where we uh, highlight a missionary That's a great and idea. several uh, ways that we could pray. Yeah, something like that and simple. Yeah, pray for the. Mekana, Middle East, Central Asia, North Africa. Pray for Mekana. These are the primary prayer requests. Pray for Southeast Asia. These are the primary prayer requests. Yeah, those are good ideas. And then potluck and prayer. We're oh, bringing yeah. that back. Yes, we're going to definitely mm. bring back potluck and prayer in the cooler months. So once we can't um, hang out outside as much, you know, maybe beginning in October, we'd like to bring back potluck and prayer where we'll just do like this whole theme is going to be uh, Asian food, and we're going to pray for our Southeast Asian partners, or we're going to do Middle Eastern food, and and that kind of thing. We'll do one of those a month or something like that, maybe once every other month. So the last part of on the ground, we have looking up. Um, we, we would be praying, looking in, you know, adopting and being more connected to our, our local or our international missionaries. Looking out, how do we apply this to the world? I think it's pretty simple. I think it's pretty, that one's probably the most obvious, right? Yeah. I think that goes back to what Steve said, you know, that if the, if, if this is the heartbeat of God and it's not just for the select few and not just the select few people, but if it's really a cover to cover miss, mission is a heartbeat of God, it's not just a select people. It's also not just a select time. Right. And so all of us need to be equipped because not just you might be an ambassador, you are an ambassador. Like we talk about, that's an identity you receive upon rebirth. 
All right, Steve, well, we're yeah. going to, would you have something to add? You know, I, I, just going back to the initial question and, and talking about the, the privileges that we have of being Americans, and we have so much that sometimes that could be a real hurdle in, in our praying for our missionary family because we, we tend to be, at times, uh, and, and I lead the way here, to be um, self-absorbed in, in our own uh, desires, our, our own agendas, uh, our own needs, mm-hmm. and uh, just, yes, to be uh, reminded in, in a number of different ways to look out and not just be looking in. Naturally, we have needs that we need to uh, address, but sometimes we can be overly absorbed in them. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, it's so easy to spend, I mean, let's say you hosted a 4th of July party this weekend and you had to buy food and maybe you bought some drinks and you bought some streamers and and you easily could spend $300 hosting a party, you know, and we will do that in the drop of a hat for something that's going to be done in three hours. You know what I mean? But then when, if a missionary calls us and is like, hey, I need $300 to, you know, like, for example, I got a text today from Rashid. His wife had to have an emergency C-section. Um, I mean, a C-section costs more than a month's salary for them, almost two months' salary for them. And it doesn't have health insurance the way we have health insurance, you know. And we were like, wow, that's a lot. Well, a C-section in the United States costs like twenty-two grand. I looked it up. In Pakistan, it's like $1,000. And you're like, well, 1000 bucks is nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, it, when, but it, it, when someone asks, it's easy to spend money on ourselves, not on other people, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and I think, and Steve touched on it um, yesterday, or on Sunday in the sermon, um, that because of the way Revolve is structured, we are, uh, are allowed to, to give a lot. Yeah. We'll be more outwardly focused. So that's a, that's a cool thing as well. Yeah. So when those things happen, we can act pretty quickly. Because we have generous people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and what a blessing! What yeah. a blessing that is when the when the nat I guess the national average of giving now is like two, to, two, two to three percent of uh, church yep. budgets. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, what a what a great privilege. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to move into and um, and that was yeah that was really good. And then Bill, I think you you really hit the nail on the head there at the end that it's because of the generosity of the people. Yeah. as well but so we're going to move into the hot seat oh yeah q a hope you're steve, i hope you're ready steve hope you're ready for this seat belt is fastened <laughs> man <laughs> all right so the the content of psalm 87 and and you you joked about this a little bit in your intro but it's it's a little muddy to read i think um at first glance. You don't just read it and go, I get it. Yeah, it's not like, let all the nations praise him and be glad. You're right. Like, Got it. Right. You know? <laughs> but so what? what is your process normally of, of writing a sermon? I, I just think as another elder and another teacher, it's kind of interesting to hear other um, people's processes. But I think, you know, uh, our listeners and viewers may be interested in, like, what is the work that goes into a, a sermon? Like, you don't just show up and open the Bible and say... Let's do this. Let's do this. Like, what is what is the Steve Teco sermon writing process? Can I, can I just pause before you say something, Steve? I think this is a great question for Steve because one of the things that we've talked about in the past, this is like behind the curtain, since I know we have, we have the new section, behind the curtain, you know, yeah. is that I think there's a, there's like a spiritual 
I don't know what you want to call it. There's like this idea that it's like, well, it's more spiritual if you just wing it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm just going to open up and whatever the spirit gives me, that's what I'm doing. But it's like, that's not really more spiritual. And I think that it goes to show you that the spirit isn't just active in the moment. He's active in the prep. And so it's a great question, I think, for Steve and I have talked about that a lot before. Yeah, the president of the, 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 the president of the seminary I attended um, used to say, "The spirit of God is given not to make study needless, but to make study effective." Oh, that's and great. I think that was a good balance. Yeah, it's better than I said it. Yeah, that's why Steve's a special guest. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm just the guest. So what is your so what is your process? I mean, you um, when you're writing your when you're writing a sermon, how does that go? Well, um, surprisingly, um, not, I, I don't think any, anything that may surprise you, when we did our hermeneutics class here, we looked at some of the uh, steps in interpreting any text, and it begins for me with uh, looking at key words, uh, verbs tend to be very critical in that regard. If there's words that are repeated, if there are themes that seem to be prominent and found uh, elsewhere in scripture as as key and prominent themes. And so I I try to uh, determine what I guess could be called the big idea, Mm -hmm. Uh, rather than developing, you know, three or four little mini items, uh, look for the big idea. And, And then if I could call that the theme, and then I look for the, the breakdown of that passage, or in this case, the psalm, to see if that big idea could be broken down into bite-sized portions. The, my thought is if I could help the congregation by following a little easier, by giving them, in a sense, a roadmap of where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So, That's good. so sometimes the, the sermon we think is, is preparation and digging out what's in it and certainly that's a big part but i think another part is how you structure it Um, the proverbs remind us the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable so sometimes uh, you may have content but uh, the the way it's presented the structure of the sermon might may be a little more difficult to follow and so there's really the the two parts the the second part is usually after the structure is usually after the first part of doing your word studies and defining words, et cetera, um, finding illustrations. Usually that's done first and then the structure follows. So that is uh, usually my approach. And then lastly, I go to the commentaries. Mm -hmm. And then I determine as I read three or four commentaries that go in a different direction, then I go back and reread the text and start again because I think, you know, if if I'm unique in my understanding of this passage, after 2,000 plus years, you know, uh, I just, better, maybe I missed something. It's just because um, you're the special guest. Because I'm the special guest. <laughs> I should have it my way, right? Um, but if, if I find that um, they add some additional material, sometimes uh, uh, they offer, um, for example, I love illustrations from history. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, I beg, borrow, and steal, you know, Warren Wearsby, um, the. Uh, Bible commentator, longtime pastor of Bible Moody uh, or Moody Bible Church, used to say concerning the commentaries, I milk everybody 
but the cream is all mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. They, uh, what I think there's a, is a Picasso that talks about, you know, the cutting good, off his ear or something like that. No, the good artists, good artists borrow, great artists steal, or something like that. Yeah, it's funny. So. But uh, no, well, that's good. I, I like that just to be able to kind of so for people to understand that there, there is a process of going through and and we can learn, like you said, you know, when we're reading our Bibles on our own to look for those keywords, those repeating words, those, you know, maybe verbs or, or mm-hmm. you know, and look for those things. And, and that'll help us to not always just go right to our study Bible. We want people to be equipped to be able to, you know, pull out the word on our own. Yeah, I don't think people realize how long it can take to prepare a sermon. I mean, if you've prepared a sermon, then you know how long it takes. But, I mean, it can easily... I would say on a 45, given week, 48 minutes. To, so, I mean, you joke about that, but the <laughs> I remember when I was in seminary, the they did like a Pew Research thing, and the average pastor in America, you want to guess how much time they spent prepping their sermon? I want to say 10 hours. 15 but... minutes. <gasps> And no. that was the average time spent. And then you wonder why our churches are in the situation they're in. Wow. So I would say, hmm. I would say for me, in a good average week to week would be 10 hours. I would hmm. say it would be a good average. I try to write it in a day, and then I maybe revisit it later in the week, and I go through it. And then on Sunday morning, I, I um, will pray through it in the morning before I head out. But I would say 10 hours is a good average for me. And so, you know, and that doesn't include... Sunday, that's just prep. You know what I mean? Would you say that's a kind of a, a close to average for you, Steve? Yeah, I, I would say... Sometimes um, you can get hit it, and it's like three hours, and you're done. You know what I mean? But When you're preaching through a book, yeah. uh, sometimes um, previous work yeah. leading into just, say, a passage in chapter three, what you've done in chapters one and two help to make that passage Come go a little, little faster. Yeah. And it's funny, Bill, uh, what, what you just shared, one of my other uh, seminary professors, I remember uh, at a time when the church was going through a stretch where the sermons were down to like 15 to 18 minutes, and he was uh, dead set against that. And he used to say, the reason why our churches are filled with so many Christianettes is because there's sermonettes being delivered by preacherettes. <laughs> <laughs> Playing the, play the castanets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, Bill, what's your, uh, you had a question. Oh, yeah. So, this was a question that I was thinking about. You know, Steve pointed out the word selah when he was teaching through Psalm 87, which is a word, sometimes we skip those words when we're, when we're reading the Bible or even when we're teaching the Bible because it's just kind of like a sidebar. But Steve talked about how most scholars think that it's a term related to having a musical interlude for reflection. And so I was thinking about that because, you know, I didn't grow up in the church and um, I didn't grow up in the hymn generation, so to say. But I've experienced that with modern worship music, we do have musical interludes. You know, it could be a musical interlude or it could even be a musical bridge or something like that. Um, but there didn't seem to be as many of those in my limited experience in hymns. And I've, almost, I've, I've kind of felt at times that the more traditional folk who grew up in that hymn generation, they were almost irked or annoyed by musical interludes in modern worship. Which I understand because maybe sometimes it can become like a, a solo fest where it's like, look at me, you know what I mean, that kind of idea. But so my question, Steve, is 
we know that a lot of these songs that we play on a given Sunday have musical interludes. You know, maybe it goes in before it, going from the chorus to the bridge, there's a musical interlude, something like that. So how do you think we as the worship team could be more intentional to encourage people that this is a time of introspection and not just a time for you to be like, yeah, that mm-hmm. drum solo mm-hmm. was kicking, you know? How can yeah. we be more intentional? Yeah, think? And, and sometimes we'll refer to the first part of the service as the worship Right. When when in fact it is in many cases uh, every bit as instructional and in, informational, inspirational. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, music is a gift, but often music is is a means of communicating the gift of teaching. And and sometimes maybe we we minimize music thinking that it's leading toward the big event that is the sermon, right. when it should be viewed as a part of, of uh, the sermon in, in a real sense. I think it's important also to realize that the word selah was actually a part of the psalm. Hmm. And with that in mind, as we're kind of walking through some of the psalms now during the summer season, might be a natural thing just to remind our church family as an application of of our going through some of these psalms that uh, the the pause that refreshes, so to speak, in yeah. this word selah, is something that they should utilize to reflect back on what was just sung, hmm. rather than thinking it. Um, uh, we're just waiting for the next verse to begin while right. somebody shows how good he or she might be on a their bass, instrument. A bass. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a, so I think for the worship leaders, maybe for us to remember to remind, remember to remind people. Yeah. You know that this is a t- that these musical interludes are a time for us to reflect on these things. So when we sing something like "Beautiful Name," you know what a powerful name he is, and that, and then we go into a musical interlude. This isn't just um, a time for a crescendo in the music. Yeah. That, like you should be reflecting on the powerful name of Jesus during this time. And I think that's a good point because I think sometimes we think of, we, don't, we like diminish the worship time. But, you know, David, like you said, King David was a, not our David, though David, you too. But King David <laughs> specifically Thanks. was a theologian who sang, you know what I mean? And then to realize that um, there is instruction that happens in the song. And that's one of the reasons why we try to be picky mm-hmm. about the songs that we sing. Um, and we and you can't just say, well, that guy's a good musician or a good singer, and so let's, let's make mm-hmm. him a worship leader. You know? Yeah, Asaph, who wrote 12 Psalms, was described in Second Chronicles 29 as a seer or a prophet. Hmm. So he was a worship leader. But, uh, you know, when we, when we look at those that led the, the nation in communal worship, uh, the priests, they were, as you indicated, Bill, they were theologians first. And therefore, um, just as an application, I think this past Sunday, David indicated that one word in one song was, was altered to better reflect the character of God. And, and I, for one, uh, appreciate that because uh, it, 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 it indicates again that these musicians are first theologians teachers instructors yeah uh, not just those who have been gifted in a particular instrument or a vocal gift yeah yeah 
I like so, it. So as we were as we were preparing for the podcast, we were talking about Psalm eighty seven being a very missional psalm. Um, what is a uh, another key passage uh, in your life, Steve? That is um, has inspired you in your in your missions journey as you were, you know, were and are very involved in global missions. Well, of course, perhaps the obvious uh, is uh, uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. For me, David, I, I have been um, struck through the years, uh, not just with the theme of missions, but with the theme of the local church, which for me is, is the focus or should be the focus of it all. Uh, in Matthew 16, when Jesus uh, said to his disciples that I will build my church and the gates of hell itself will not prevail against it. And over the years, you know, we've seen uh, kings and kingdoms. We've seen uh, emperors and empires come and go, some of which have sought to destroy the church. And yet, uh, in many cases, these uh, now kings and empires are recorded in chapters and maybe in some cases paragraphs in history books mm -hmm. while the church of jesus christ continues and flourishes and uh, i think that uh, the fact that jesus keeps his promise to the church uh, whether it was in romania during the communist regime or in other places where the church is is persecuted is a testament to the fact that jesus means what he says and that the church is is certainly precious to him. Yeah. Um, Steve shared a, a story. Steve, we mind sharing that story about your, uh, your time in Czech the at, prison in the prison. Yeah. Well, the, one of, one of my visits in, it's a fun in story. I, Czech, I was with uh, pastor Marek and, uh, we, uh, had planned, uh, or Marek organized that, uh, we would come and, uh, spend some time with actually some of the, the prisoners, and so while Marek was arranging with um, the head official, I was waiting in the lobby. And this was shortly after the uh, revolution in, in what was called Czechoslovakia. And they had a sign that was on the lobby high on the ceiling that had been removed since the uh, fall of communism. And the sign was in raised letters. So it had been on the wall so long that you could read the imprint behind it. So when Marek came out before we left, I said, Marek, what, what does that sign say? And he looked up and he said, oh, he said, uh, that was a statement made by the first Communist Party president after World War II, Clement Gutwald. And the sign said, the Soviet Union forever. <laughs> Nothing else. Or until 1989. <laughs> and so Marek uh, said to me, well, that's funny, huh, brother? He said, uh, Clement Gutwald, uh, finito caputo, uh, Soviet Union, finito caputo. He said, but uh, the Church of Jesus Christ goes on. Amen. 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 That's great. And I think we can take heart, you know, those of us who are, you know, a part of the church, that we, you know, we may get discouraged. We think that there's, you know whatever is going to happen to the church in America or whatever, but you know, it's going to keep on trucking. It's going to keep on trucking. The, 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 the true... five o'clock somewhere revolved yeah. church. <laughs> the true you followers know, with, of Jesus. With, with all of our spots and wrinkles, yep. you know, I marvel that, um, 
the Corinthian church with all of its pro problems it's that uh, Paul referred to them in his introduction as the Amen. church of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, you know, if, uh, if Christ doesn't give up on us, how dare we, right? Yep. Yep. Amen. So what do we have going on this week, Bill? Are you preaching this week? So we're going to, we're enjoying Psalms so much that we're going to push back into Psalms for a few more weeks. I'm back uh, in the pulpit this Sunday. Steve graciously, Hooray. yeah, no, Steve graciously <laughs> bailed me out. I think I called Steve last Wednesday and I just told him I was feeling a little burned out and he volunteered and um, to, to cover for me. So I was very thankful for that. Um, and so I just, I took a couple of days off cause I just was feeling emotionally drained. Um, so I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 19. Um, and for those of you who are, um, who maybe went through our doctrine class, uh, Psalm 19 is a Psalm of general revelation and special revelation, which are the ways that God reveals himself generally and specially, you know, yeah. we'll explain more of that on Sunday, but if you want to prepare a little bit, I think you could read Psalm 19. You could read Psalm 119, and you could read Romans 1. I think those would be three good passages to read in preparation for Sunday. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Man, we, we grinded through that. No, no breaks. Well, we're, we're special guests. We have special <laughs> guests here. So we're going to take a quick break and get back into it and see what's going on. All right. Oh, what's going on? What's up? Oh, well, yeah, what's going I always say it after the break. All right. We're going to come right back. All right. Well, welcome. What's up? <laughs> Not yet, Bill. Oh, sorry. I was so excited. Not yet. You're embarrassing me in front of Steve. Oh, my gosh. He, was, he always compliments Steve, how professional we are. Steve has had me in the family for a while. Yeah, know? he knows. He knows. All right. So now we're looking at what's going on in Revolve. What's up? What's up at Revolve? This week, we have the start of our ladies' book club. Mm. Just want to do something special for the ladies. For the ladies. But, you know, even if you're not a lady, um, you can come at 5 p.m. From 5 to 6 p.m., we're going to have um, co-ed prayer. Okay. And then at 6 p.m., the ladies' book club is going to start. But they're starting. It's got a nice group of, uh, like, a big number signed up, almost 20 mm. people or something like that, maybe more. And then um, the men's book club are going to gusto. The men. <laughs> After prayer. <laughs> right. Um, and so we're going to do prayer from 5 to 6, and then the ladies' book club, which, not, I mean, it's not really a book club. They're studying women from the Word of God, and they're going to look at what they can learn from their lives. I think they're looking at Eve this week, if I remember correctly. Let's start at the beginning. Yeah, start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. I learned that talk about how, music. She, how she tricked Adam. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so David... Is gonna we're making his own book club one day for men. But yeah. no, so, ladies' book club starts this week. Um, keep your wives in prayer as they go to the Bible study, I should say. Um, so yeah, that starts. And we have one more week left of family book club, which is our next Monday's our last Monday, and that's been a great. That's been awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've really been happy with it. Do I haven't been able to attend the. Um, book study on the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, I heard that one. Great. That, uh, I guess, Breton and Jason, Jason were, were leading. But I've been meeting with two gentlemen uh, each week for breakfast who have been both a part of that, and uh, they have just raved about it. So I'm, I'm really sorry I missed that, but that sounded like that was another one that uh, was a great blessing. 
Well, you can't go to the ladies' book club, Steve. You can't go to the ladies' book club. But can I call an audible here, even though it's not in our script? Do whatever you want, Bill. We're in the looking in section, which is where we talk about what's going, what's up at Revolve, but also just how to love one another better at Revolve. You know, we have these book clubs. Um, Steve, could you share what you guys do at your morning meetings? You said that you have that breakfast that you've been doing for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't have to share details, but if you could share kind of what you guys do and how it's been a real encouragement, because sometimes I think people overcomplicate discipleship. And I think what you guys are doing at your weekly meeting is a great picture of the simplicity of discipleship. So maybe you could kind of fill people in because I would like to challenge you guys to maybe considering starting something like what Steve's doing. Well, thank you. It, it has been uh, a lot of fun, but more than that, it's been a great spiritual encouragement. Uh, naturally, it all centers around food, yeah, which is a, a just great what Jesus uh, did. yeah, a great environment for just about anything. Um, and usually, and, and it varies. There are some uh, breakfast sessions where, like the last one we had, uh, some one of the two said, um, "What's new?" and it. <laughs> Right. just took off from there. We started sharing what we're reading in our quiet times and what God has been uh, leading us to do and how God has been changing our thought process and our sometimes our, our actions, uh, our families, um, how we relate to our wives, our kids, our, our community. And that's that's been... Um, it's been very informational, but also inspirational. Uh, I've discovered that uh, these these two brothers um, really, and and sometimes in our small groups they may not share a lot, but I I learned that um, that they think quite a bit about the things of God and the things of the Word, and uh, it has just been a real natural setting. It's it's not formal where we say okay you begin mm -hmm. you take 10 minutes and share what you've been praying about this week it's it's not like that it's it's kind Hanging of natural organic and it just it just happens and we we try sometimes we need to redirect toward the spiritual mm-hmm Sometimes we'll we'll focus on what's going on in the news for a while, and, and everybody uh, gets mad. And after a while, that could be depressing, and so we know <laughs> we need some refreshment. So we go right. in a different direction. But usually, one or the other um, directs. That's great. There's not like one person who is the facilitator. You know, we it just sort of happens. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. So what I'm hearing you say, Steve, is that. Each week, you go out to breakfast with a couple of men, three of you guys, used to be four, but one moved away, and you eat food, and you share about what's going on in your life, maybe what the Lord's teaching you, and you guys encourage each other through the Word, as opposed to being just, you know, drinking buddies who complain together and don't do anything about it, so it's positive reinforcement from the Spirit, and, uh, and then you go home, and you just enjoy each other's company through a healthy lens of, of being fellow brothers in Christ. And I think mm -hmm. that, man, that's discipleship. I think sometimes we, we, we make it like it needs to be formal, like, well, I need to be in a group, and now it's David's turn and this turn, as opposed to just hanging out. And you know what? The, the relationships like that are the relationships that are life-giving, and you want to go, right? But when you're in a group where it's like, you know, I'm not even friends with these people, 
then it's it's hard. But when you're with your with people who you genuinely enjoy, and it's being focused on the spirit and instead of just kind of focused on you know hedonism and things of the flesh, um, it's it's enjoyable while being encouraging. Who would have thought that God would be so good to yeah. do both the and same? And once time? you add bacon to that, what could be better? Everybody loves bacon. Everybody loves it, except for French toast. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was very encouraging, Bill. Good, uh, uh, Steve and Bill. Good job on the audible. That was very, that was spirit led of you. you yeah, know? well, that was good. So we're going to take a, one last break, and then we're going to do looking out, and we're going to see what's going on in the world. Yes, it's a big world, and it's crazy. It's a big, big world. Now we're going to get flagged. Ah. We're going to have to pay audio adrenaline money. Oh, my goodness. It's hard to get by just upon a smile. That's Cat Stevens' money. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome back to our last segment. Looking out, we um, we have a team that are going to the NYC, New York City, the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. Never sleeps in New York. What are they doing up there, Billy? So um, they're going to meet up with Christian Vance, who is from Revolve. You guys, most of you probably know Christian Vance is. He's one of our missionaries. He is living in Astoria, training people and uh, to interact with and share the gospel with people from all over the world, from... Uh, countries that don't have access to the gospel. And so the, during this seed week, uh, what's going to happen is we have a couple people from our church. Specifically, we got six people from Revolve, maybe seven. And they're going to go up and they're going to go through a training with Christian. And then they're going to go out onto the streets of New York City, hoping to get chances to pray with people, um, hoping to get chances to share the gospel. And all of this is kind of like a big coffee filter where they're trying to catch people who are ready, who then they can pass the baton off, so to say, to Christian and his team so they can follow up for Discovery Bible Studies and, Lord willing, more gospel conversations. So um, from our church, we have Jen Worthington going. We have Sarah Burgos. We have Emma Brader and Evan Brader, who are married. And then we have Evan's brother, Eric Brader, who's going. So we have three Braders. Um, and then we have TJ, who just moved. TJ O'Hara, you guys remember we prayed over TJ. He moved down to the Carolinas, and he's flying up into LaGuardia to join the team. And there's a potential special guest. Not our special guest, Steve. Hmm. A different oh. special guest who might go up. I'm sure they would they would allow Steve to come if he wanted to. If Steve wanted to go, I know they'd welcome him. The yeah. motel would probably he come back and it would be on fire or something. <laughs> but but Steve could he could go if he wanted. And so I would encourage our church, that's our team, Jen, TJ, Sarah, Emma, Evan, and Eric, take some time this week and next week to say, I'm gonna pray for them during my lunch breaks or I'm mm-hmm. gonna fast lunch on you know, Tuesday and Thursday, and I'm going to pray for the team during that time. So take some time to pray for our team yeah. and for their families back home. And if you know them, send them a, send them a text. Mm-hmm. That's let great. Them know yeah. they, let them know that, that you're praying for them and encourage them. And When do they leave? Uh, Sunday. Sunday to Friday. Right, Jen? Yeah, yeah Sunday afternoon. Special guest, Jen Worthington. <laughs> oh, Sunday she to told Friday. Us, she's like, I'll never come on the podcast. Oh, we she did her. say, oh, we tricked her. She <laughs> got on her. the podcast. Oh, oh that's man. great. All right. Well, uh, can you give us can you give us a short update of um, that text you sent out about the 
Oh, yes. Okay, so a couple things. One, Rashid's wife had to have an emergency C-section because her amniotic fluids were low and not improving. And she, I forget the name of it, but they had to, like, do it. Do it. Well, anyway, they had to do a cervix stitch so that the baby wouldn't, like, fall out and, like, give birth prematurely. So it was pretty serious. So she um, had a C-section, gave birth to a daughter who they named Genesis, and... Um, and uh, everything went well. Baby's doing well. Um, Rashid, all, we also provided Bibles to Rashad, Rashid's uh, church, and they were distributed. I sent the elders a message yesterday, and they did the, it was really kind of cute because we think of like, ah, oh, here's a Bible, but like they actually had like a ceremony where they gave the Bible and they prayed over each person who received the Bible, and it was like a really big deal. And it just reminded me of the, of the fact that this is a, it's a miracle that we have this Word of God, and we should really value it and treasure it. Also, right now, our, our partner in um, Germany, Johanna, who's an Afghan, his wife was just induced. She's a week late, and so she was just induced. Um, and uh, hold on, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if the induction inducing is going well or if she'll need a c-section we know that sometimes it goes from inducing to c-section and so we'll see but you can pray for her her name is tahira and she uh hopefully by the time you listen to this she's going to have a little baby boy who they're going to name matthias matthias hmm. i nice. tried to get him the name david but he didn't go for it no he didn't unfortunate that's okay. Well, thank you for that update. And uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think he knew you were joking either. He was like, no, brother, it's, <laughs> it's Matthias. And you're like, but what about David? And he was like, the name is done. And you're like, we're just joking, bro. Yeah. And so are you, David. <laughs> that, is, that, that is the difficulty of sometimes with international... Uh, yeah, humor doesn't always translate. Yeah, sarcasm, South Jersey sarcasm is, is no, tough. not all the time. Um, Bill and I have to check ourselves and... But uh, well, praise God for the work that's being done with those, uh, with those guys. It's been so exciting to hear every week. It feels like there's something you're something sharing. cool going on. Something's going on. Yep. So, and again, that's because of the, you know, the faithfulness of our church and their and their willingness to, to uh, you know, to give and and to really to to. Man, I forget what you say. You, it, it's something that you and Gina say that that will make a, a an impact in the world. Even though no, no one may hear the name of Revolved, but to make a big impact in the world for Christ, and you say it much more eloquently than that. But uh, it's exciting to to know mm-hmm. that you know God is using just this little church that meets in a bar, um, you know, and baptizes from a dock. Yep. To to uh, you know to be doing great things uh, for the name of Jesus mm-hmm. all over the world. So, well, we're gonna close with our call to action. Rapid fire. Pew, 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 pew. Rapid fire. What do we got? Okay, so up. Looking up. Um, looking up, read Psalm 19, Psalm 119, and Romans 1. But also, David and I are, and Gina, we're all reading this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor out in Portland. Um, it's really been a good book. And I would encourage, if you guys are looking for some summer beach reading, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I'm strongly, strongly considering um, using it as an inspiration for either a book club or maybe even a sermon series or maybe both and overlapping it. It has a lot to do with rest and Sabbath and spiritual disciplines and these sorts of things. 
So what you're saying is that, that people are busy. It's, yes. You think that's a problem? I think it's a problem. It's a big mm. problem. It's a big yeah. problem. I'm trying to, I think that's, and I think that leads to me being burned out. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Burnout Billy. That's what, <laughs> what they call me. Well, you know, and it, and it adds to the challenge we talked about, Selah, you know, yeah. reflecting, yeah. contemplating. Uh, there's, who has time for such things, yeah. right? He points yeah. out in the iPhone research, you know, because when you, your iPhone sends data back to Apple for research purposes, the average American, not on the high end or the low end, the average American touches their iPhone 2,600 times a day. And he points out how, you know, 30 years ago, it, I know this isn't very rapid, to yes. thir- 30 years ago, um, you know, when you stood in line for a cup of coffee, you just stood in line. And all of those small moments that we used to have small moments of stillness, they've all been stolen. And now we replace them with touching our phone. Yeah. Anyway, so up, I would encourage you to read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry if you're looking for some summer reading. In. I'm going to say looking in would be to follow Steve's lead of what he talked about. Invite someone to breakfast. Invite someone to lunch and ask them the question, what's God doing in your life? And what you going to do about it? Yeah. I think those are, those are a great thing that you can do. So, all right. And then the last thing, what can we do? Look out. Look out. Well, you can share what God is doing in your life with somebody else to encourage them and to maybe point towards the gospel. And I'm also going to go back to what Steve said. I would encourage you to begin praying for our missionaries. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thank you guys and gals, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Steve, our very special guest, still special. It's very special. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So, and we will see you all on Sunday. Have a great week. week.